We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey guys, this is Stephen Haglin, the host of the Guilty as Charged podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in and supporting the show. As always, we do appreciate any ratings, reviews, likes, subscribes, comments on any podcast platform, including YouTube. And I want to start today off by giving a shout out to one of our sponsors, The Backroom Collection. You can find him on Twitter at The Backroom C-O-L-2. Again, that's The Backroom C-O-L-2. Uh, he has been putting out some fire chargers prints, and I think any football fan should check him out and be able to upgrade their man cave, their workout you know, situation, their home office, their actual office. Check him out online, thebackroomcollection.net. If you use the code GAC, that's G-A-C, on your first purchase, you get 10% off. He is even going to be able to attend a Justin Herbert signing. He's got a bunch of Justin Herbert prints that he will have signed by the man himself. Again, use the code GAC for 10% off at thebackroomcollection.net. Thank you so much for supporting him and our show. That being said, let's get to it. Hey guys, what is up? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Steven. I am your host. Uh, joining me today is a very special guest, Mr. Jordan Pun, who is uh, aka Texans Thoughts. He's the host of the Houston FB pod, Houston Unfiltered pod. Uh, also does some writing and scouting for the NFL Draft Bible and the Scouting Academy. Jordan, thanks for taking the time to join me. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Stephen. Thank you. I'm on Christmas break, so I'm chilling. Just get to do a bunch of football content, and so I'm really appreciative of you reaching out and thankful to get this opportunity to talk ball with you, man. Looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm also on Christmas break. Uh, it was great to get away from uh, you know the kids <laughs> and uh, you know kind of re- recharge the batteries this week. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, obviously, a lot going on in the NFL world lately. Uh, unfortunately, with the COVID stuff like that. Um, can you update our listeners on, on what the Texans are going through with their COVID situation? Uh, and then we'll kind of jump into this matchup more specifically after that. Yeah. So they've been hit by the injury bug, the COVID bug. Um, I know just today I saw a bunch of their like backups are out. Their starters are, are pretty good. 
Um, so thankfully we haven't been hit as hard as some other teams. I know you guys have like Bosa's out, some other guys. So we luckily haven't really had our stars been hit by it. Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's the Texans. We don't really have many stars. So, I mean, <laughs> um, luckily, we actually we're, we're pretty in, in, in good luck about COVID. We have a few guys on the list, but not too many like big impact guys. It's mainly backups. So, yeah, hopefully the you know both teams can kind of get more healthy. You know, I mm-hmm. I know the NFL has has been a little more willing to move games. Obviously, we hope that doesn't happen. You know, we're hoping everything happens on, on schedule. Um, you know, you mentioned kind of the, the transition that your guys' roster is going through. Uh, and I kind of wanted to get your uh, general thoughts on Nick Casario and David Coley and kind of how uh, the operation has been in their first year together. Yeah, I think Nick Casario, starting with him, I mean, I would overall give him like a passing grade. I think he's he's done like definitely a better job than Bill O'Brien was as our previous GM. I mean, that's a very low bar. So he's done better than that. I think overall he's had some wins. He's had some losses. I mean, I think he's done pretty good with the hand that he was dealt walking into arguably the worst situation that a GM could really walk into in terms of low draft capital, not a lot of cap space, just not a lot of talent on the roster. So he's done okay with his draft. I mean, without having a first or second round pick, I love Nico Collins. I like Brevin Jordan. He's found a starter on the defensive line in Roy Lopez. So I think that was pretty solid Um, in terms of free agency. He, I liked his approach overall. You know, he looked for kind of these low-risk, um, one-year deals in terms of veterans. And, and some of them have hit, like Malik Collins, like Kemi Grudger-Hill. And then some of them have missed a little bit. But they still kind of looked like good signings, like guys like Philip Lindsay, guys like Desmond King, like these guys who had great seasons with other teams and, and potentially could have done something with us. And it didn't work out, but I do like that approach from him, um, kind of looking towards low-risk signings and kind of just trying to keep that cap space for the future. So overall, I like what Nick Casario has done. Um, I'm not ready to say he's going to be the best GM in the league. I mean, it's only been one right. season, and I think his biggest tests are, are ahead of him with the Deshaun Watson trade and with this next draft class. So once we get that, we'll kind of get a better idea of who he really is. Um, but overall, you know, Good return so far from Nick Casario. And then I guess David Cully, oof, that's a tougher one. That's a tougher one to be optimistic about because I was I was never really a big fan of David Cully of the hire. I mean, there was just his resume, looking at his resume, what he's done in the NFL, it just couldn't compare to, you know, Brandon Staley, um, Robert Sala, Eric Bieniemy, Brian Dabble, all those guys that were potential hires. Um, it just couldn't compare at all. And so I wasn't a big fan of it when he did get hired. But, I mean, I wanted to give the guy a chance. It's my favorite football team at the end of the day. I'm not going to call this guy a bust before he's even coached a single game, right? Um, But now we are almost through the end of the season. And he struggled in terms of, you know, a lot of in-game decision stuff, fourth down decisions, timeouts, challenges, stuff like that. So he hasn't really shown the prowess there. And those are somewhat rookie mistakes. I kind of get it. You can grow with that. But – the returns so far haven't been great. I mean, the the optimism behind him is that, you know, he's got all this experience. He can be this teacher. He can be this culture setter. But we're seeing that when you're winning three games, the culture of the locker room, it's, it's not going to be that good, no matter how good of, yeah. no matter how experienced you are. So, um, and now there's rumors that he might be on the hot seat and might be replaced after just one year. So it's tough. Um, I hope they do go in a different direction. He's a very likable guy, but I just don't think he's going to be the team, the guy to turn this team around and, and you know, lead us to the playoffs or even the Super Bowl one day. Yeah, that's got to be a, a tough situation, you know, looking at potentially moving on from, you know, your rookie head coach. 
obviously not as bad as uh division rival Jacksonville at this kind of point. <laughs> um, you know, but we'll kind of move on. Obviously, you guys played them this past week, but I want to talk about uh the rookie quarterback Davis Mills. Obviously, everybody uh you know is familiar with Tyrod Taylor that listened to our show, and, and unfortunately, mm-hmm. <laughs> the pattern that has emerged uh with Tyrod Taylor uh ha- has followed his you know him to the Texans. Um, but you know, I want to focus this on Davis Mills because he was Obviously, uh, a rookie, a draft prospect that not a lot of people knew a ton about. You know, he only had the one season at Stanford. Um, and he was kind of considered, you know, the dart throw. Of course, Tyrod Taylor kind of pegged as the veteran to wade the franchise through this waiting period with Deshaun Watson. <laughs> then he gets hurt after the first game. So mm-hmm. what have you seen from Davis Mills a- across this season? It seems to me, like at least from the outside looking in, that he's kind of hitting his stride lately um so what's kind of your assessment of mills rookie season so far yeah i mean it's a rookie season that ideally should have never really even had to happen like you said it really shouldn't have i mean 11 collegiate starts at stanford a third round pick like that's not a guy you want to just be throwing into the fire halfway through week two but circumstances are circumstances it's the nfl everyone's got to be prepared um my take on rookie davis mills season so far is that he is a very dangerous quarterback. And what I mean by that, that's, that can be your clickbaity <laughs> title. He's, a, he's the most dangerous quarterback in the NFL because he is just good enough to the point where he's going to give you flashes. If you look at the box score stats, there's stuff there. There's reasons to be optimistic. And especially when you compare it to the other first round rookie quarterbacks who are also in bad situations and who have also struggled at times, right? So the stats look pretty decent. I mean, he's throwing for 65% completion percentage. He has at least a positive touchdown to interception ratio of 10 to nine, um, just under 2000 yards and eight starts. So there's reasons to be optimistic about that. He's had some big games, had some like 300 plus games, multi-touchdown games. Um, There's been some flashes for sure. But the reason why I say he's the most dangerous type of quarterback in the NFL is because to me, his ceiling is always kind of going to be this bottom third of the league NFL, maybe really high level backup. That's always what I thought about him and watching the film of him now. Nothing really has changed my my assessment on that. Um, I think he's had his moments, but at the end of the day, he's a guy who is going to win best within the pocket because he's not super mobile, not going to really sure. create out a structure. And when you look at the qualities of a pocket passing quarterback, you know, they've got to be really good with the reads, got to be super accurate, got to be able to at least manipulate the pocket a little bit. Um, and Mills has struggled with all those things. And I think he's improved a little bit over the season, but those, those good stats that I mentioned earlier are also a little bit deceiving. I'm not a big stats guy. I think stats can be cherry picked a little bit, manipulate a little bit to kind of prove whichever side of the argument that you're on. And I mean, with Davis Mills in particular, he's still only really throwing for 194 yards per game, just 6.4 yards per attempt. And a lot of his bigger outputs have been kind of inflated from fourth quarter blowouts you know versus the colts versus the rams versus the seahawks those are three of his four um biggest outputs in terms of passing yards so that's just some stuff to keep in mind and so i think he's the type of quarterback that you know he's an easy guy to root for um and you want him to see succeed obviously but he's always that going to be that guy who you're just going to make a lot of excuses for and you're always going to be like oh what if he had that better play caller what if he had a better offensive line what if he had that better wide receiver and when you've got a quarterback like that who needs to have all of like his surrounding his situation to be you know top 10 in the league for him to be 
a good quarterback, it just gives your general manager a less margin for error to build that, you know, perfect team. Like, is it possible? Sure. But it's very hard in the NFL to consistently get all these decisions right. And so when you have a quarterback who needs to be elevated by his team rather than he's the one elevating his team, it just makes it tough for me to believe that he's a franchise guy. So that's why that's my, my thoughts on him. No, that's really sound logic. You know, of course, outside looking in perspective from us. So obviously, you know, we come to you. Um, so do you think that he in like his best case scenario could be kind of like a Kirk Cousins, Jimmy G type? Or do you think even that is a little bit, you know, too high of a ceiling for him? Yeah, it's it's really tough to tell because we don't have a big sample size right now. Um, especially going back to college and then now. But I think that would be the ultimate, you know, if everything is great around him, if you give him like a Dalvin Cook, you give him great um, defense, you give him a good uh, wide receivers and everything like that. Yeah, he could probably have a couple seasons like a Kirk Cousins where he's going to put up a 4,000 yards and and make a playoff run. Um, I think that would be the ultimate season for him. I kind of, or sorry, ceiling for him. I kind of see him more of like a Andy Dalton, Case Keenum. Okay, That's kind of more like the median for him um in my opinion so is he someone that you think this team could kind of wait on the quarterback class and another year kind of give davis another shot we've seen a couple teams uh you know kind of do that similar path obviously you know i i haven't watched a ton of draft prospect film yet um but everything i hear is that this quarterback class isn't that great so you know you mentioned the deshaun watson trade of course but uh if davis mills is the starting quarterback next year would that all surprise you it wouldn't surprise me at all. I think he's shown enough um, where, you know, no one's calling him a bust. No, If anyone's calling him a bust, I mean, they just don't really know what they're looking at, obviously, because he's done enough. Yeah. He's definitely done good for the situation that he's been dealt. Probably like a bottom five roster, bad play calling, et cetera, right? So I, I would not be surprised whatsoever if he's the quarterback for 2022. I think he's earned kind of that that shot because with quarterbacks, I mean, development is is so – tough and it's not always linear and you got to be patient and so even though i wasn't a big fan of mills going into like the pre-draft process mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't mean i'm gonna write him off even after just a year he's definitely shown enough so it wouldn't surprise me at all and especially with what what you said the draft class it's not super quarterback friendly it's definitely more in terms of defensive prospects at the top and the texans are going to be picking top three so there's just yeah. no reason to be reaching on a quarterback that high and you know kind of wasting one of those years of, of their rookie quarterback contract so yeah i think mills is going to be the guy for 20 2022 there we go so uh obviously something for charge fans to keep an eye on as we approach uh draft talk i want to pivot here and talk about the offensive line of course Mm -hmm. uh our listeners know i'm the big offensive line guy on our show (laughs) um and and i think the texans texans have an interesting (laughs) approach right now i guess (laughs) uh obviously larry tunsil being hurt does not help you know tunsil unhealthy is you know one of the better offensive tackles in the league but you know i'm reading that titus howard switched from right tackle to left tackle played really well. Now he's switching back to guard because of other injuries. What, what's going on with the Texans offensive line lately? <sighs> so I don't have, I don't know if they lead the league in, in different configurations, but they have to be up there. The last number I saw was they played 12 different configurations on the line, which is not a recipe for success. No, <laughs> because it's one thing to have the talent, or not on the offensive line, but such a big part of it is just the continuity, the chemistry, the teamwork that goes yeah. involved with it. Because like your offensive line, I mean, it's it's five guys, but they're all working as one, right. you know. And so if you don't have that cohesiveness, it's it's not going to work. Um, so 
they're struggling in, in, in every aspect of it. The numbers are bad. They're last in adjusted line yards. They're bad run blocking. They're not great as pa- at pass protecting. Like it, it, they don't really have a lot of strengths on the offensive line. I think there's a talent issue. And I also think there's a coaching issue. Um, and then there's a mismanaging of positions issue. Like you said, Titus Howard, I mean, he was a tackle coming out of college and they have done everything they can to stunt his development. They moved him left guard, right tackle, left tackle, now back to left guard. And it's, it's really, really frustrating because it's so easy for everyone to see that he's a better tackle than he's a guard. And yet they're still trying to make him something that he's not. And it's directly hurting the success of this team. And he's one of our only bright young players in our former first round pick. So it's frustrating to see for sure. And I think the offensive line is probably the biggest weakness of this Texans team and the biggest area for the Chargers to pinpoint and attack and take advantage of. Well, that's going to be easier said than done this week <laughs> with uh, Joey Bosa on the COVID list and not playing. But, um, you know, definitely something to keep an eye on there. I want to shift gears uh, again and kind of talk about uh, the skill talent around Davis Mills. Um, you know, Brandon Cooks, for whatever reason, cannot be stopped. This man is just like continuing to produce at an all-time level, uh, you know, team after team. It doesn't really matter, you know. So how are the Texans kind of manufacturing touches for him? Because, you know, I saw a clip of, you know, him scoring on a screen pass last week. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm just kind of amazed that this, you know, traditional deep threat on other teams has now become this bona fide number one receiver on the Texans. Um, but walk us through how they are kind of manufacturing touches for him. Yeah. So like you said, I mean, he's always been known as this great deep threat, great vertical threat, and he's going on. How old is he now? He's 28 now. So he, his, his speed has been zapped a little bit. He's not just going to be running past cornerbacks and, and safeties, especially if there's a safety over top. But like you said, he's kind of had to alter his game now and he's doing a lot more underneath stuff. And so part of that is because of the scheme, wanting to get the ball out quickly because our pass protection sucks. And the other part is because <laughs> Davis Mills isn't a good deep ball thrower. And so he's got to work the quick game, the intermediate game. And so you're seeing versus man coverage heavy teams, um, we'll scheme up a lot of rub routes to get Brandon Cooks free. And he's usually always the first read on plays like that. He's he's Mills' go-to guy for sure. Um, and then versus zone coverage teams, he'll just do a lot of underneath stuff, a lot of curls, a lot of slants underneath, just trying to find the spot, the soft spots in the zone. Um, they'll get him involved in the screen game a good amount, but we're horrible at blocking screens. So it's really <laughs> painful every time to, to watch them execute a screen. I mean, that one last week was the most successful screenplay of all season. It really wasn't. It's, it's, a, it's more of an anomaly than um, a consistency. But yeah, they, they've kind of transitioned Cooks to, instead of that deep vertical threat, just more underneath stuff, just feeding him more in terms of volume than in terms of big plays. Well, that's uh, a good transition for him. You know, I hope uh, things get better for him and the, and the rest <laughs> of the group there. Um, you mentioned Nico Collins earlier. We were big Brevin Jordan fans on this show. Um, obviously, those are kind of the two, you know, headliners in terms of the rookie class. How are those two developing throughout this season? Yeah, Nico Collins, I was such a big fan of him. I thought he was a steal in the third round. I thought, you know, if he played that 2020 season, he probably would have been a second rounder, maybe even have some first round hype. I mean, he's this crazy height, weight, speed type of guy, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think I kind of messed myself up and gave him too high of expectations because at the end of the day, he's playing with bad quarterback play and he's just a third round rookie. And so I think he excels a little bit more versus zone teams where he can find the soft spots and he's not challenged so much at the line of scrimmage. 
but he struggled a bit with man coverage and, and really separating smoothly like that. He's not as refined of a route runner as um, I was hoping for. Um, but overall, I think the arrow is still pointing up for him. I'm still very optimistic on him and in his future. I think he just needs to work on refining his routes a little bit better. And he can be, you know, a really high level wide receiver too. maybe even have some seasons as a wide receiver one. Um, if you can really build chemistry with the quarterback, I think one thing that they're really missing is, is his ability on like fade balls down the sideline. And it's frustrating because he really excelled at that in college and Davis Mills really excelled at that in college, but the play calling just hasn't really tried to tailor it to their strengths. They'll try it in the red zone, but they're not really trying it anywhere else. And so I think that's an area that they can, they can look to get him more involved, but, um, and then Brevin Jordan, um, they didn't start him until just a few weeks ago. They were really okay. trying to bring him along slowly. They had some other guys that they prioritized over him because with our tight ends, they really want them to be able to block because we're, mm -hmm. we're we try and always establish a run. We don't have any success doing it, but <laughs> that's our identity. Um, and so Brevin Jordan, like you said, you're a big fan of him. You saw, you probably saw in college, like he puts in the effort as a blocker, but that's not really his, his niche, right? He's a receiving right. guy. And so now that he has been getting um, some more time recently, I think he has three touchdowns. How many is it? He has, yeah, three touchdowns and he just has 15 receptions in total. So, I mean, he's more of like their red zone guy right now. He's able to okay. find the soft spots in, you know, up the seam and areas like that. So that's, that would be where you'd want to keep an eye on him for sure. Yeah, absolutely. That's good to hear uh, about those rookies, man. I, I, I'm a big draft guy. I know you are too. Me so too. yes, uh, love talking about those rookies. Um, we spent a lot of time talking about the Texans offense today. Of course, I have to mention the defense. Uh, our listeners are, are very familiar with Desmond King. Uh, but, you know, I, I always get like the comment, like, I don't know anyone on the Texans. So um, <laughs> who are kind of the defensive players on the Texans that have been uh, kind of the key contributors this year? And, and how are they doing? Yeah, so I think... The best player on our defense has been Camu Grudger-Hill, linebacker. Um, unfortunately, he got injured with a knee injury, so he's, he's going to miss this game. So you guys dodged a bit of a bullet there. But I think other than him, it would be Malik Collins. Um, he's coming off a historically awful season with the Raiders, but so was everyone on that defense. And now he's come here, and it's been a better scheme fit for him. He's actually been mm. a, a solid run defender, which he never was before in his career. And then he's still yeah. wrecking havoc versus the pass. So I really like him um, in terms of some not household names that I wouldn't expect any non-Texans fans to know. Um, they're nickel cornerback now. Desmond King got moved to the outside and it's been for youngster Tavier Thomas. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I I can go on a whole other rant about Desmond King <laughs> being forced to play the outside, man. They're ruining him by doing that, but it is what it is. Uh, but Tavier Thomas has been good. He's been a good run defender, um, very rarely targeted in pass coverage. So that'll be an interesting matchup for sure for the Chargers. Um, and then the last guy, I'll give you another rookie. Um, I never even watched him coming out, but Garrett Wallow. He was a linebacker okay. for TCU. Yeah, yeah. And he's just recently been getting the start with, with Cam Gridger Hill out. And this man has been everywhere. He's been, he's a very athletic guy. He's one of those kind of undersized um, linebackers, but he has the speed to really fly around the field. And he's a hard hitter too. So, I mean, this guy's 6'2", 230. But then in his last game, he had, in his first official start last week versus the Jaguars, he had 11 tackles. So I think the arrow's pointed up for him. And he's definitely a guy to watch. Just having the speed in, in, in run defense and in coverage. Um, so those are kind of the, the main guys I would keep an eye on. There we go. I can't believe Desmond King's playing outside corner, man. <laughs> oh my goodness. This team just doesn't know how to utilize players to their skill sets. It's it's really, really frustrating, man. 
Isn't uh, Lovey Smith is the defensive coordinator there, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You do a lot of Tampa two then. Yeah, in the, in the beginning of the season, it was definitely a lot of Tampa two. Um, they've gone away from it a little bit. They're still very zone heavy, um, and they're still primary coverages Tampa two, but they'll switch it up a, a little bit more now. Oh, I actually forgot one more name. Um, Jonathan Grenard, sophomore. Um, for us, he's been leading us in sacks. He's definitely a guy okay. to to look out for as well. There we go. Just uh, I know our listeners are going to have a <laughs> crazy reaction to finding out Desmond King playing on the outside. Yeah. Um, but Jordan, this has been great, man. I want to get j- just kind of your uh, general thoughts on what you expect. Obviously, we don't really know who is going to be playing or not in this game. <laughs> um, but what's kind of your, your thought process right now as of Tuesday as uh, looking at this matchup? Yeah, you know, I would love to say that the Texans are going to get the dub, but I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. Um, I do think we're going to take the L here. The Chargers are just a better team, better, more talent, both sides of the ball, better coached. Um, And I think this is going to be one of Justin Herbert's best games of the season for sure. Our defense is very easy to be picked on. Um, And as long as he's good in terms of keeping the ball safe, like that's the only way our defense is good is when we force turnovers. That's the only thing Mm. that's keeping us afloat. And so as long as he's pretty good in that, I think he'll have a great day, probably 300 plus yards, three plus touchdowns, something like that. Um, So I do think we're going to take the L. I think in terms of Texans fans listening to this, looking for any sense of optimism, um, we would hope that this could be a matchup for us to run the ball. I know historic, not historically, but this year the Chargers run defense has, has not been too hot. And that's been our identity is try and run the ball. So if we can establish that um, and then take some deep play action shots off of that, that would be our formula for success. Do I have faith in that actually working? <laughs> no, but that would be the formula to look out for um, this week. Yeah, of course, the, you know, the Chargers defense is going to take a, a big hit without Joey Bosa, but mm-hmm. um, the run defense has generally been better um, since mm-hmm. the bye week. You know, they uh, they had a couple injuries up front, um, particularly Justin Jones, that really kind of took the, you know, it really took the defense for a wild ride. Unfortunately, we had some undrafted free agent players that just were not ready for that moment mm-hmm. uh, kind of playing in there, but it, it's been better since the bye week. Okay. And um but you know, still, if you're if the Texans just kind of <laughs> found the rock, you know, uh, then we they they certainly could see some success, you know, particularly in, in the fourth quarter once you kind of uh, mentioned the garbage time aspect of things. But yeah. um, no, it should be fun, man. Are you uh, are you going to be at this game, or, or are you kind of away from from Houston right now? Yeah, so I'm actually from Toronto. Oh wow, um, okay. So I'm back there home uh, for the breaks. So I won't be going to the. I've never actually even been to a Texans game in my life. No way. No kidding. Enough. Yeah. Dang. Well, hopefully we can, uh, <laughs> hopefully those rumors of, uh, of an NFL team to Toronto are, are true. Hopefully, uh, man. Are you a, are you a Raptors fan then by chance? I'm a Raptors fan. Yes. Okay. So, uh, this is exclusively for Alex. Our, uh, co-host is a big Sixers fan. Uh, <laughs> so if you could just please uh, give your thoughts on Kawhi Leonard right now, that'd be fantastic. Me or Alex? Sorry, you. you oh, yeah. me, Kawhi. Oh my God. I mean, I love him for for him for bringing a ring, but at the same time, it kind of sucks that he he left for the Clippers. So yeah. it's kind of like a love hate relationship. You know what I mean? He brought us a ring. He did what he could. Like he he didn't want to be traded here at the end of the day, but he he battled through it. Brought us a ring. Did what he did his job. So I still have good good feelings towards him. Yeah, and ran rampant on the Philadelphia 76ers. So. <laughs> Just teasing, Alex. Well, uh, Jordan, this has been a, a great man. Where can our listeners find your stuff if they want some uh, Texans intel? And you mentioned 
uh, or like I mentioned, the draft intel as well mm-hmm. coming up in the next few months. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, just follow me on Twitter at Texans underscore thoughts. That's where I'm going to tweet out all my content. I write for um, NFL Draft Bible at Sports Illustrated. So that's where all my draft stuff is going to be. And and yeah, I would love to reconnect with you, Stephen, talk more draft stuff as we get closer to that. Um, actually, I do have one quick question for you, if you don't mind. But yeah, I was wondering, I was wondering to get your thoughts on Brandon Staley because I I thought he was like the top dog in terms of a head coach candidate, and I'm jealous you guys have him. Yeah, we were big fans of him as well on this show. Um, Brian Dable was kind of our number one candidate mm-hmm. uh, collectively for the three of us, just because of you know the offensive continuity aspect of things. Um, but we're thrilled, man. Brandon Staley has been everything and more that we would have hoped. Um, you know, we're going to be a little anxious to see the, the defensive adjustments that he makes in year two, because the mm-hmm. defense just kind of, uh, doesn't really have the personnel, I think to yeah. execute his kind of scheme. Um, so we're, we're excited to see what he brings on that end, but, uh, you know, we love his mentality. He's been fantastic as a communicator and, you know, we love listening to his press conferences and things like that. So, um, Chargers fans love him. We're very f- thrilled with his, uh, hiring a little bit critical of the fourth down decisions some of us uh <laughs> again from thursday night but for the most part brandon Staley has been a, a breath of fresh air for chargers fans that's awesome man that's awesome i wish i could say the same <laughs> <laughs> well i guess you guys might be uh looking for another head coach next year so exactly we'll, to, uh, we'll find the next daily hopefully there we go well jordan this has been great man can't thank you enough for uh taking the time to join us and uh happy holidays Thank you, man. Thank you once again. Happy holidays as well to you. Hopefully we can reconnect soon. Yeah, appreciate it. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.